This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Mac Weldon and by Made in Cookware. Folks, uh, we have a huge apology that we need to make. For the last several years, we've laughed at the absurdity of the war on Christmas. But you served. Yeah, I know. We, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> we've mocked conservatives in this country that have been warning for years that the liberal Democrats are going to take Christmas away like the Grinches that they are. But it turns out they were right. For the wrong reason. And we were wrong. Because... Uh, <laughs> With more than two months to go before the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ, Joe Biden and his socialist agenda have finally done what we've been warned about over and over and over. The Democrats have canceled Chachunk Christmas. At least you'll finally be able to get into the VFW halls because now, now that there is an actual war on Christmas and you are a war on Christmas veteran, there's no questioning at the door. I ordered so many presents <laughs> just to watch them die face down in the Pacific. Give me my 25 cent beer and shut up. All right, well, look, okay, Christmas not exactly canceled, but uh, this week White House officials did tell Reuters when asked about this year's holiday shopping season, quote, there will be things that people can't get, like the Furby. No Furby for you. <laughs> and, uh, yep, the reason for this isn't uh, false scarcity. It's actually a huge supply chain issue that is affecting not just the U.S., but the entire world. And it's gradually been getting worse for the last year and a half. There are shipping bottlenecks affecting ports, railways, highways, and warehouses. Uh, that's the whole chain. And uh, every link in the chain is congested as hell and uh, having problems getting stuff to where it needs to go on time. This is creating actual scarcity, which leads to higher product prices at the wholesale and retail levels. So what's causing all of this? Well, it's multiple factors that combine to create a beautiful cascading effect of chaos. Uh, the Port of Los Angeles these days Looks a lot like the Suez Canal did back when the uh, Ever Given clogged that whole thing up. It's not as bad. Ships are getting in eventually, but uh, there's more ships coming in from Asia than the port can handle. So a lot of these ships are just waiting for several days off the coast for a chance to unload. And they'll just toss their anchor anywhere. Yeah. Right onto an oil pipeline. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Uh, there's also labor shortages in trucking and in warehouses, so there's fewer people to get the goods from the ships to where they need to get to eventually. And they're having to wait around much longer than usual. Uh, you got the ships just sitting off the coast, and then you got the trucks just sitting, waiting for yeah. the ships. Uh, in normal times, the fact that so much of our goods are imported from China, that was advantageous in so many ways. Mm -hmm. It's cheap, it's fast, but uh, yeah, now it's just become a, a huge liability. No bicycle under the tree this year. No. Sorry. You get coal. American <laughs> clean coal. Delicious American clean coal. Uh, but still, what is causing this? Well, let's just read from the LA Times. What caused the problem? In a word, COVID-19. The pandemic whirled up a toxic brew of forces that triggered and then exacerbated the shipping logjam. The first blow came when many of the Chinese plants that build parts or assemble goods for global manufacturers were shut down by coronavirus outbreaks. Similar disruptions soon spread across the globe, affecting both manufacturers and the logistics companies that ship, store, and deliver their goods. After a brief COVID-related recession, however, demand for goods grew quickly as people shifted to online buying and took up new habits. A surge in home improvement projects, for example, boosted demand for appliances and construction materials. Manufacturers face a perfect storm of issues, said Nick Bias, executive director of the Kendrick Global Supply Chain Institute at the USC Marshall School of Business. Labor, transportation, and logistics costs are up. There's reduced capacity because of the problems all along the supply chain, and there's a finite amount of resources across the board, including the number of containers and amount of manufacturing capacity. Uh, it continues. 
We might be able to buffer against one type of risk or two types of risk, but it's the fact that all these challenges are happening at the same time, said Nicole de Horatius, an adjunct professor of operations management at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. The pandemic is not entirely to blame. Robert Hanfield, the Bank of America professor of supply chain management at North Carolina State University, said that warehouse distribution and truck driver shortages were bad before COVID. The delays caused by the backlog in deliveries have been particularly disruptive to companies that operate with small inventories and rely on just-in-time shipments to fill orders. To avoid that pitfall, some companies are ordering extra supplies and components as a precaution, increasing the strain on the distribution system. Another factor, concerns about the spread of COVID-19 and its variants have made it harder for trucks to cross borders. A report Monday by Moody's Analytics said the difference among countries' efforts to control the coronavirus have gummed up the movement of transportation workers at ports and other freight hubs, contributing to a problem that will get worse before it gets better. And it's not easy to restart factories after they've been shut down to stem surges in coronavirus cases. Raw materials back up, and it can take weeks to restart production, Vias said. The supply chain is a system, he said. When you create shocks from the supply to the demand side and that continues to happen, the system isn't getting enough time to reset and recalibrate. But look, this is great news because you can support your local communities by going to all their garage sales to pick up all your Christmas presents this year. I mean... One man's trash! It's another kid's Christmas present. This is probably the best time... Uh, Do they even know if the tricycle's like a year, like brand new? No. Yeah, your kid's dumb. They don't give a shit. Yeah, just put a new coat of paint on it. Yeah, it's not... You You can restore a shitty bicycle very easily. It's a fun little project yeah, for you. Yeah, it's going to be great for you. Uh, you should actually give it to your child completely in disrepair. And then yeah. you can build it together, and it'll be a great bonding moment that they will have for the rest of their lives. I mean, this is a great time for uh, buying local and buying used. Exactly. Uh... Yeah, because it's everything's more expensive. I saw someone on Twitter posted a fucking a gallon of milk costing eight dollars. I don't know. I don't know where this was, but uh, <laughs> this but, is Joe uh, Biden's fault. Yeah, whatever. This it is. is Joe Biden's fault. <laughs> no, you go. You go get an Amazon box or like uh, you know go down to the Macy's or whatever and just get a box. Yeah, and you just you can put anything from Goodwill in it as long as it doesn't smell bad. And people are be like, oh look, look at my beautiful dress. I got my husband got it for me at Macy's. Yeah. So she's not going to know what she's going to do. Check the catalogs. Yeah, that would be a dick move. (laughs) Anyways, again, it's a bunch of different problems. It's all kind of stemming from COVID, obviously. But all COVID really did was reveal existing flaws in our supply chains, which work great until they suddenly don't. When Trans-Pacific Sea Trade is backed up, it causes a domino effect that backs up the entire national supply chain. And like so many problems these days, it seems like a lot of it could have been helped by proactive and forward thinking about what to do if this kind of exact situation were to arise. Yeah, it's uh, our our supply chain is very similar to the uh, Texas power grid. Yes. When it works, everyone, you know, it works great. Well, when it doesn't work, it is fucking catastrophic. It's a horrific view into the future with the climate change. Mm-hmm. Like... Shouldn't we be doing something about this? Well, it's and... not happening right now. <laughs> we'll worry about it later. Worry and about then it. later, actually, with it, this shows that later happens. It does. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're living through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, earlier this month, the Washington Post published an in-depth report on supply chain issues, including lots of specific examples of how it looks on the ground at various parts of the chain. And the whole article, it is worth reading. But here's a section that goes into how ill-prepared the U.S. shipping industry was for all of this. 
For goods to move seamlessly from overseas factories to American addresses, the ocean-going vessels, shipping containers, cargo terminals, truckers, chassis providers, and railroads all must work together, like runners in a relay race. If equipment gets stuck at any point, delays ripple along the entire chain. Yet the United States is decades behind foreign ports in getting carriers, terminals, and shippers to provide each other access to commercial data for planning purposes, said Gene Soroka, executive director of the Port of Los Angeles. Concerns over data privacy, business secrets, and security have resulted in a fragmented approach. Individual ports operate as separate fiefdoms rather than as part of a national system. In the Dutch city of Rotterdam, Europe's largest port, everyone involved in a cargo vessel's arrival sees the same information on a common data sharing platform. Called Port Exchange, the software makes port calls smarter and more efficient than the use of separate systems or the telephone, according to the port's website. Soroka touts a tool called the Port Optimizer, which forecasts three weeks of incoming cargo. More information sharing, including over a longer period of time, would allow carriers, terminals, truckers, and dock workers to better position equipment and people. But other than Los Angeles, New Orleans is the only U.S. port that is even testing the system. Quote, information sharing and additional transparency is one of the few areas where indisputably we could get more capacity out of the current system, said Dan Maffey, chairman of the Federal Maritime Commission. So, yeah, but back to Joe Biden canceling Christmas. That's what we're all here He's for. He's canceling it, that Grinch. Yeah, he and he looks like the Grinch more than yeah. any other president. Compared to all the other ones, I guess. He does. Yeah, yeah. Reagan kind of looked like a Grinch. Yeah, I miss a good, well, I guess I don't miss a fat, jolly president. Well, Trump wasn't jolly. He was just fat. Yeah. But a fat, jolly president would be nice. Yeah, if Trump had gotten himself stuck in a bathtub like Taft. Or a chimney. Yeah, or a chimney. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to give presents, not take them, I swear. Uh, yeah, so look, Joe Biden canceling Christmas, not exactly Joe Biden's fault, but uh, as president, it is his responsibility. So, yeah. you know, he's going to have to fall on the sword for this one. Or do something about it, at least. Address it. Yeah. Tackle the problem. Uh, yeah, I think he's currently working with the Port of Los Angeles to, like... He's making them work pull, in, like, 24-hour yeah, yeah, yeah. shifts. Yeah, pull restrictions is, to, like, make people work 24-7. Yeah, that's just pushing the burden onto laborers who are already not having a great time. Yeah. And I mean, uh, hopefully they hire more again to be yeah. able to do that. Like, a lot of this, it's like, oh, like, we're spending so much fucking money on these. Because, like, the cost of a shipping container uh, going from China to the U.S. has, like, quadrupled in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a lot of money. It's, like, fucking like tens of thousands of dollars to ship something ship a giant container ship but it's like well i mean obviously more labor is uh that you're gonna need to have more workers working uh so maybe pass some of that money you're already spending on this dumb bullshit onto the workers it's, that are gonna it's like it. a lot of big corporations were getting a discount for so long and then yeah. they're like you can't have the discount anymore they're like well, I, don't know I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. What I can't do anything. I'm offering $14 an hour <laughs> for oh, that, people to come fix this, and they don't want to do it. I yeah, don't get it. Then, I guess what, that's it. Did you see the post about the guy who like then complained that he had to do the job yeah. for the money like, that he was offering? You turned down your own <laughs> offer. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah. It is going to fall on Joe Biden. That's yeah. that's the case. It, it sounds like optimizing the U.S. supply chain with better communications protocols would go a long way here. Uh, there's also the fact that federal investment in West Coast ports has lagged uh, behind East and Gulf Coast ports by a pretty huge margin over the past few years. And in the short term, there are calls for Biden to end or reduce Trump's tariffs on Chinese imports, even if just temporarily, to at least reduce the financial burden the supply chain issues are creating for retailers. Uh, there aren't really any quick fixes, though. This is how global trade has worked for the past 50 years. Mm -hmm. 
Um, things might gradually get back to normal over the next few months. But bottom line, if you've got some big holiday purchases picked out, you should uh, you should have ordered them in July. Yeah. Or right now. Yeah. If that's if that's the case, you gotta get those AirPods. You were waiting for Apple to announce some new ones. Well, they're not. So get the old ones yeah. and order them now. For electronics, yeah, uh, do it now. Uh, but if you're willing to change things up, I'm sure wherever you live, there are local artisans uh, who would be happy to provide you with something physical right now. Farm today. to table. Yeah. Just beautifully green, handcrafted AirPods. Yeah, this. I mean, this is all just exposing how fucking inefficient this is. Uh, there's, yeah. uh, like, I mean, even in the U.S. in particular, like, even our, our rail lines are all privately owned, our, our shipping lines. So it's this weird just, like, hodgepodge of uh, different rail lines. And, like, you know, they, most of them have contracts with each other where they can rent the lines. But it's, uh, it's, uh, we, it's already one of the shittiest uh, rail systems in the world. Yeah, and, like, the yeah. fact that it's all splintered up between different companies just makes it even more efficient because they can't just take the straightest route to where they're going. They have to use their own lines. The the example we have recently is like I I got uh, I upgraded my computer for the show at the beginning of the year, uh, oh and then yeah. and then you're like, hey, can I get that parts list so uh, I can upgrade my my rig? And uh, I sent you the parts list, and you looked at all the parts now, and you're like, oh, God. yeah, it's whoa, it's gone up. Uh, a horrible amount. I'm not even going to say how much <laughs> how much more I paid, yeah. how the company paid. But uh, yeah, it's uh, and that's I mean the sh- that's the chip shortage, which is just like one months. aspect yeah, yeah. of this. Um, a lot of shortages. This is what you get when uh, you decide that uh, to save money, you're going to have part of a large part of your manufacturing process done in another country on the other side of the world. And uh, you're going to have to move a lot more things around when that happens. And, uh, yeah, things get clogged up. Yeah. Well, that's the price of freedom, guys. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of COVID-19 and its effect on the U.S. economy, uh, last month Biden announced vaccine mandates for federal employees, healthcare workers, and companies with 100 or more employees. But now Texas Governor Greg Abbott has issued his own mandate banning vaccine mandates. Yeah. Flip-flop. Confused? Yeah, it's the the Uno card. It, it was just like, uh, what's his name from Florida? DeSantis. Yeah. It was like, I got a mandate for you. No, no mandates. mandates. Yeah. Boom, what uh, are you going to do? If you're confused, hey, get in line. So are a lot of businesses over in Texas. <laughs> uh, here's the Texas Tribune. Companies doing business in Texas face new and complicated challenges after Governor Greg Abbott this week banned COVID-19 vaccine mandates for all entities in the state, including private businesses, for employees or customers. The ramifications for businesses could begin as soon as Friday when companies that enter into contract work with the federal government will be required to have all employees vaccinated under orders from the White House. This conflicts with Abbott's ban on vaccine mandates, putting the many Texas businesses that receive federal contracts in a tough position. Comply with federal law and violate Abbott's ban or comply with Abbott and turn down business from the federal government. In addition to federal contractors, President Joe Biden has also announced that businesses with more than 100 employees must mandate vaccination against COVID-19 or require regular testing. But uh, yeah, the new Texas mandate banning mandates doesn't really seem all that enforceable. No. Since the U.S. Constitution's supremacy clause means that federal law supersedes state law. Damn it. So several large companies in Texas quickly announced that they're going to be ignoring Greg Abbott on this one. The biggest being American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, Chevron, Dell, IBM, and multiple hospital systems. 
Uh, a legal expert uh, that Insider spoke to said Abbott's order is more of a political statement than a legal statement. Yeah. Which ultimately won't have a real legal effect. And, and it sounds like that's what all these companies are also thinking. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's completely unenforceable. And also, like, it's funny because, you know, these Republicans, Greg Abbott especially, the way he markets Texas is like, we're going to stay out of your business. Come to Texas and run your run your company. Unless and- it's uh, abortion or anything having to do with yeah. vaccines. And now it's like a lot of these companies, like I think IBM and Dell, they had made their own internal vaccine requirements yeah, uh, because that's what they wanted. Like exactly. They, they weren't doing it because anyone was telling them to. And now Greg, Greg Abbott's like, you're not allowed to do that thing you wanted to do. Oh. We don't interfere with business uh, decisions unless they're the ones we disagree with. And then we interfere like crazy. Elon's happy. Oh, yeah. Texas or uh, Tesla moving its headquarters to Texas. And I love that he, pl- he put uh, all the blame on like that one. Uh, uh, I forget who it was like calling him out. Well, fine. I will leave. Like a couple of years ago? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting choice. I mean, it's the funniest thing is, I mean, they were already building a Tesla factory in Austin. Mm-hmm. So that was already going to happen. They're just moving their headquarters there now as yeah. well. Now but, he doesn't have the boat anchor grimes. But it, Texas does not allow direct sales of cars. So mm-hmm. Tesla will be headquartered and manufacturing cars in a state in which to buy a car... If, you're, if you live in Austin and you want to buy a car that was manufactured down the street at the Tesla factory... Uh, with, from the company Tesla based in Austin, yeah. that car has to be shipped out of state to like fucking New Mexico or Oklahoma. Yeah. And then sh- they, they just turn it back around and, sh- and bring it right back to Texas. That's why to, he's developing that Hyperloop. Yeah. And like speaking <laughs> of like su- fucking supply chain issues, like buying a car that has to be sent hundreds of miles away and then brought immediately back. That's, You're completely offsetting that's a supply the, uh, chain issue. Uh, it, it, offsetting yeah. the actual like carbon things that you'd be uh, saving by driving the car by having it shipped on a fucking semi-truck for no reason. Yeah, and then, I mean, just in general, Texas has obviously, like, a horrible track record on energy yeah. and green energy. They're doing fucking nothing to incentivize green energy. It's uh, a very odd choice. It's a very it, it, odd It's choice. one that's made intentionally, like, out of spite and yeah. tax avoidance. Sure. I, I just hope they change the Tesla logo to look more like a set of longhorns. That would be, yeah. The T is just like... Yeah, get some horns on the front of my Tesla. Well, they have that. that one of those YouTubers that's like a new jackass-type guy yeah. has a longhorn Tesla, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously, we don't really like Elon Musk around here, but it would be nice if he was able to somehow flip Texas on clean energy I think, by doing this. Like, that would be a good outcome. I just... It, I don't know. I don't like the man, Elon Musk, but I think Teslas are... They're nice cars, and I like that they can land rockets. It's cool stuff. It's SpaceX, but uh, yeah, I mean... It It is just funny, like, when you see the reporting about... Like, the one reporting I saw, I can't remember what outlet it was, but it was, like, tech genius Elon Musk... Shut up! (laughs) ...moves to Texas. Fuck off. I hate that shit. Anyways, uh, we're off topic. Uh, Well, sort of. We're talking about Texas. Yeah, speaking of Texas, um, that's where Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin rockets take off from. And the latest news is that despite our concerns that Bezos was going to accidentally kill 90-year-old Captain Kirk actor William Shatner this week, and also Shatner's own apparent anxiety over the whole thing, uh, that was thankfully not the case. Yes. William Shatner is alive, and he's officially the oldest person to ever fly to space, or at least uh, Blue Origin's definition of space. Uh, it's space. Their launches don't actually cross the Carmen line, so it's I, actually not space. They float. It's as close as tourism is going to get yeah. for now. It's fine. It's, yeah. It's it's like semantics. It's like, come on. 
It is, but it's, technically it's not space. Just, just so we're clear. Everyone who watches this show knows by now. <laughs> we're, obviously, they're talking about the Carmen line. No, anytime we don't mention it, someone in the comments is like, well, actually, the Carmen line uh, is the, the, what scientists believe the real definition of space is, so stop lying, please. And that person's glasses are held together with tape in the middle. <laughs> it's just all tape. Yeah. Anyway, William Shatner, regardless of your definition of space, still went higher than most people will ever go, and he seemed to have really, really loved it. Yeah, it was a profound experience if you yeah. uh, watch his statement. But as you recall, during Blue Origin's previous launch, when Bezos himself went to space, uh, Bezos spent a few brief minutes that he had up there not looking out the window, instead fooling around with zero gravity and throwing candy into the mouths of uh, the other passengers. Yeah, it was just a ride for him. Yes, yeah, so I'll be back. I'll look at it next time. Yeah. Uh, and when he got back down to Earth, it seemed like his main takeaway from this very unique experience was that uh, we should move factories into space somehow. Uh, it was kind of shocking, that, considering that most astronauts who go into space, uh, they do experience something called the overview effect. It's a profound and humbling reaction to seeing the Earth from far away, just floating delicately in the vastness of space, which astronauts often describe as the most meaningful moment of their lives. Uh, if anyone could probably use something like that, it would be the world's richest man. But the overview effect seems to have not had an effect on Mr. Bezos. Nope, <laughs> not at all. Nor does he think anyone else is experiencing it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, I guess. I mean, it's the Earth. I own a lot of that. Yeah. Sick. I could buy that whole thing. Yeah. But uh, William Shatner, on the other hand, definitely experienced the overview effect, like the textbook version of it. It was like he was coming down from a shroom trip. Yeah, his comments and demeanor upon returning from space came off like a guy who just had a near-death religious experience. Yeah. On he, shrooms. He did DMT without having to actually do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, before he made those comments uh, explaining himself, uh, something very interesting happened, which uh, only helped to underscore Jeff Bezos' complete lack of any overview effect. Uh, so when Shatner first came out of the capsule, he was immediately greeted by Bezos, and uh, he started telling him about his experience and getting him very emotional and whatnot. But then, well, okay, actually, well, let's just watch the clip of what happened then, because this is incredible. Not only is it different than what you thought, it happened so quickly. Well done. First time. You know what my, my, the impression I had that I never expected to have. Is you shooting up? Oh my God! Give me this new steam bottle. Come here. I want one. I want to hear this. Here. You want a little of this? Champagne showers have begun. Smiles all around. William Shatner taking in the moment clearly. So yeah, that was Jeff Bezos interrupting William Shatner during the most the most awestruck moment of his entire life to grab a bottle of champagne and shake it all over a crowd of people while Shatner just stands there, clearly not in the mood for this. Like clearly coming down from what are you like, doing? Yeah. just a profound life-changing experience yeah it's like smoking a bunch of weed and then going to a party where everyone's on cocaine it's just <laughs> the fuck vibe whoa i'm in the wrong place <laughs> yeah uh so it was it was an incredible scene not just like 
not just that, but like the moments leading up, you can tell that he's like trying to like grasp the word. Yeah, no, he's going through it. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is still experiencing. He's in the afterglow. Yeah, uh, and and Bezos is just like, hey, what? Can we get the champagne? The, Where's the champagne? Bill, you want a glass hey, of champagne? Shut up, like, Bill. No, <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm dealing with something else. Right I do now. not want to be drunk right now. Yeah. I don't want to. I, I want to live in this moment for as long as humanly possible. Uh, but I guess let's party, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so once things calmed down and Shatner finally got a word in edgewise, he immediately became so overcome that he was sobbing while trying to put into words how he felt. Uh, he went on for a few minutes just describing basically the textbook overview effect that most other astronauts experience, of being surrounded by complete blackness and emptiness while looking down at the entire planet where everyone that exists lives. That we You're looking about. down at humanity itself. Yeah. yeah, everything you know in the world. And everything you have ever known and will ever know. Yeah. And you are above it all looking at it. It's almost like dying. There's no borders. It's just all there. It's delicate. There's just a, the thinnest layer of atmosphere yeah. keeping us protected from the, the vacuum of space. And a, and a beautiful little uh, hodgepodge of ships all off yeah. the port of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> what are they trying to say to me? They really do move in herds. <laughs> uh, but it, here's what he said. What you've given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. It's extraordinary. I hope I never recover from it. I hope that I can maintain what I feel now. I don't want to lose it. And yeah, that's some. It's. I can't imagine the yeah, feeling. No, it's. It was actually really cool seeing. Uh, like I. I mean, listen. I'm on record as saying this Blue Origin shit's kind of dumb. But I. I've, this kind of changed my mind about it. I'm like, it was. It was dumb that they sent Bezos up first and a bunch of like other rich assholes and like that one lady. She seemed. Yeah, into cool. it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she trained for this shit, whereas, like, William Shatner, like, you know, this is something he assumed he would never get to experience. If we send and 100 rich people up to space and 50% of them have this moment, it might actually do yeah, something. That's, I, I, yeah, that's my thought, is, like, we need, like, yeah. We even, need to humble these billionaires. Even if Jeff Bezos isn't, like, you know, even if half the Jeff Bezos of the world go up there and just feel nothing, because their their souls are just... Pure blackness. That might be an actual sociopaths. indication of uh, some kind of uh, misfiring. Yeah, like, like a, you can't like you come down and you're like, yeah, it was or, fucking sick, dude. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, if even like half or less than half of the rich assholes in the world can go up there and like experience this moment of just like being just extremely humbled and just having their their concept of their self and their relationship with the world shattered. Like that could that could actually do a lot of good for the world. We should do that. Send them all. Look, up. it's a great experiment. Yeah. And if a couple don't make it, hey, that's the business of doing space. Yeah, that is. That's the risk you take. That is. Anyways, I'm very happy that William Shatner is not dead. You know who's not happy? George Takei. Oh yeah. He. he those guys have. They've had beef with each other for sixty years. A bit He's long. He's probably guys. very upset. I'll have to yeah. listen to Howard Stern he to, was, to, to uh, get the comments. He was asked about it. And he was real sassy about it. I mean, he hates William Shatner and prob oh probably has some good reasons for it. Yeah. But uh, I'm just like, come on, man. Like, let the man let the man enjoy going into space. Don't be such a dick about it. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Well, I'm sure he has his reasons. I'm sure they both do, but it's like, it's been, their fucking show aired in the 60s. Come on. Yeah, it's been 50 years. You're both so old. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we got more news for you. Uh, but first, uh, this episode is sponsored by Mac Weldon. And guess what? It's cooling down here. Even in Los Angeles, it's cooling down. And I've yeah. been wearing more of the Mack Weldon uh, sweatpants and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm wearing my Mack Weldons right now. 
yeah, you're look, you out there watching, you're busy. Stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics, and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos, to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear, and beyond. Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, and play, or wherever the seasons take you. Well, we were first introduced to Mack Weldon via their underwear and socks, but this past year and a half has solidified our love for Mack Weldon's pants, shorts, sweatshirts, the whole collection. Uh, they're extremely comfortable. Ace sweatpants and sweat shorts and their Sunday lounge pants are perfect when you're eh, spending the most of the day at home lounging, but you also want to be able to leave the house at a moment's notice and not look like a slob. People would be like, hey, nice pants. It's like, they don't know I'm actually wearing sweatpants. <laughs> like the meme. Yeah. And the good news is that Mack Weldon's bottoms pair perfectly with Mack Weldon's tops, whether it's their ultra soft Pima tees for keeping it casual or their silver net polos for classing it up a bit. Focus on what matters to you uh, this season by saving time and wearing Mack Weldon products. Buy some time with Mack Weldon's Daily Wear System. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Newsday and enter promo code Newsday. That is MacWeldon.com slash Newsday. Promo code Newsday for 20% off. Mack Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. And this episode is sponsored by Made In. Mm. Have you ever wondered how your favorite restaurants consistently make such delicious food? The short answer is they have access to the right kitchen tools. With Made In's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anyone is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. Made In produces professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Made In products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from stovetop to the oven. Uh, they have over 40,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. So you don't have an excuse anymore. <laughs> Can't blame it on the cookware. Yeah. Uh, Made In is better cookware for better meals. And right now, Made In is offering our viewers 15% off your first order with promo code NEWSDAY. Now, this is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. Just for us. Yeah. You're welcome. Go to madeincookware.com slash newsday and use our promo code NEWSDAY for 15% off your first order. That is madeincookware.com slash newsday. Use promo code NEWSDAY. Get cooking. Yeah. Finally. They got it all. They got nonstick. They got... Carbon. Yeah. They got uh, uh, wine stain stainless. They got wine glasses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything you need to be the best cook you can be. And good cookware, it really does. It changes. The Some game. of our sponsors help you uh, learn how to cook. These give you the proper tools so you don't screw it up. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Back to the news now. Let's move on to some uh, dystopian news. Oh, we fact, haven't been there already? In fact, it's all dystopian for the rest of the episode. Mm. Sorry. So ever since companies like Boston Dynamics started showing off more and more advanced and capable robots, everyone has... Uh, correctly assumed that it was only a matter of time yeah. before governments and defense companies started giving these robots guns. And would you look at that? It's a robot with a big old gun. Uh, this quadrupedal design, it closely resembles Boston Dynamics' iconic spot robot, but this is actually the work of a company called Ghost Robotics. Not sinister sounding at all. No. Uh, they outfitted one of their robots with a remotely controlled rifle from a company called Sword International. Sounds like a fucking Metal Gear Solid uh, entity. Well, and so that's the thing Sword too. International. With all of this stuff that Boston Dynamics is making, it's just like, okay, so you say that you're going to not sell it to governments and police uh, departments. But you're inspiring all these other companies uh, yeah. to do the exact same uh, thing. Oh, Coca-Cola exists. I better not invent Pepsi. Yeah, they, that's, I mean, yeah, that's the problem with their inventions. They're like, well, we would never do that, but 
they clearly someone buys a spot robot and they can replicate it immediately. Yeah, they there's not they were they used to be the only ones, but now there's dozens of companies doing similar looking robots who do not have the same moral qualms about uh, just sending these things out with a gun onto a battlefield. And we are, I would say, less than a decade away from police robot dogs patrolling protests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming. Look, I, the dog. It's not racist. It's a robot. Yeah. Like, How can you call that's, it? It's going to be a huge fucking issue. Uh-huh. Ugh. Uh, anyways, this epic collab <laughs> uh, between the two defense manufacturers was revealed this week at a U.S. Army convention in Washington, D.C., though the details of the relationship are unclear, and uh, it's also unclear if they're actually selling this combo item or simply marketing the fact that if you wanted to, <laughs> you could mount this unmanned gun to this robot. Yeah. I, or- we would never sell... A robot with a gun, but we'll sell you the parts. Some might say, based on our demonstration right here at our booth, that you could, in fact, buy their gun and our robot, and through a little bit of electronics trickery, you might be able to fuse them into one killing machine. Not saying you should, just saying you could. Yeah, and we both get to successfully not take the blame. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, the U.S. military already has a bunch of uh, ghost robotics robots and has been testing ways to use them. Uh, I wonder what they're using them for. They're they're, they're using them for like surveillance and uh, reconnaissance. Yeah, uh, I guess a lot of bases they have they just have them like patrolling. They could use it when that ninja attacked. Yeah. Where yeah. were you then, lazy robot? Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a stretch uh, that they'd see this and want to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, why of not? Of course they would. Yeah. These, the, the, the military has so much fucking money. We just give them all of our money. And you're like, all right, we'll just make sure, like, to keep us safe or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> to keep us safe. Yeah, that's the thing is it's always like, like, the idea is like, you know, wouldn't it be great if everyone paid their fair share of taxes? But then we also live in America where all that money is just going to go to the military. Yeah, all of our taxes could be like half what they are if we just yeah. if we didn't have... We the... could have health care. <laughs> we could have taxpayer-funded health care like that if the, we wanted the to. The funniest fucking, uh, most, not funny, but like uh, something from this recent uh, budget gridlock is uh, that someone pointed out, I had never noticed, but every time a defense budget gets approved, they, they talk about it in terms of decades. Yeah. Uh, or no, they talk about it in terms of Years, So it's like, this is how much we're spending in one year on defense. And then when they talk about anything else, they're like, it's going to cost this much over a decade. But yeah, so, so it's a, place so it's a bigger yeah. number. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not per year, it's per decade. So it's, a, yeah, it looks like a bigger number than what it costs it's for the defense. the tactics that they use at like the 99 cent store. Yeah. They're <laughs> just like, yeah. I mean, but yeah, that's, that's what is kind of aggravating about it. It's like, imagine uh, a wonderful utopian world where Jeff Bezos is paying billions of dollars a year in taxes and the US military is just like oh cool thanks yeah they just give all of it to the military we still we don't get like, health care yeah, or anything we have like, like 500 extra F35s now yeah and everyone's just like <laughs> but i thought we were going to solve the housing crisis and uh, get taxpayer funded health care no uh, we need to prepare for uh, a never ending cold war with china that's just going to keep escalating in an arms race uh, that is all pretty much pointless pointless given that we live in the age of nukes like none of this fucking matters yeah. That's what we're going to do. Huh. <laughs> well, anyways, there's uh, nothing stopping anyone from putting a gun on these robots no. anymore. So, uh, yeah, since the U.S. government hasn't prohibited the development or deployment of killer robots, they are free to roam the earth. Yeah, give it, just go wild with it. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it is also not a huge stretch to imagine that uh, what's been happening with UAV drones for the past 20 years is going to be happening on the ground with these robots. Yeah. And, you know, 
James Cameron, being the forward thinker that he is, predicted all this in Judgment Day. He did. He did. It's the opening scene of Judgment Day. He just got the robot design wrong. Like if 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 you're gonna update Terminator Two, uh, or Terminator and Terminator Two, what they do is they send back a dog. They don't send back Arnold. They send back a golden retriever that's just like, "Hi, I'm gonna be your friend," and then it shoots you. Any animal, because yeah. like, they have a bunch of other robots that mimic other animals yeah. that are able to do things that animals do, and that's part of the thing is like making it less terrifying for humans because it just looks like an animal. Yeah. So you're not looking at a humanoid like the Terminator, you're looking at like a thing that looks like a dog. You're like, oh, that's cute, even though it has a gun on it. Yeah. It's just a little dog. And and based on what we've learned from Americans, they think they can take it. Yeah. I can take it. Hey. You cannot take it. Fuck, come at me, robot dog. I'll fucking beat your ass. <laughs> and just pulls out a gun. Yeah, whereas like if you saw a humanoid robot, you'd be like, I can't fuck with that. Yeah. It doesn't even bruise. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, anyways. In other dystopian news, uh, remember Clearview AI, the controversial facial recognition company that markets to law enforcement and has an absolutely massive library of photos scraped from social media. They have pictures of all of us on their computers somewhere. If you've ever uploaded a publicly available photo of yourself to the internet, Clearview AI has that on one of their servers. Yep. Ready to identify you uh, from just a few frames of security footage. Or, or someone that looks like you that they can blame on you because it's kind of garbage. Yeah. Uh, but their pitch to law enforcement is that they'll be able to quickly identify criminals based on photos and video. That, of course, comes with a whole bunch of huge red flags like false positives from the technology not working as well as they claim and uh, also this technology falling into the wrong hands and or being used for nefarious purposes. But that would never happen. Which, again, there's no regulations on that happening. Like Clearview, as they evil... They can sell this to anything. Yeah, as evil as they are, they... They at least have like a code for who they sell it to, uh, but there's nothing stopping them from selling this to whoever they wanted to. Yeah, at any point in time, they could change their minds. Yeah, uh, there's been a ton of backlash to Clearview AI, but they're they're still at it, and their latest claims about their technology are pretty nuts. Uh, here's Wired: Some of Clearview's new technologies may spark further debate. CEO Tan Thad says it is developing new ways for police to find a person, including de-blur and mask removal tools. The first takes a blurred image and sharpens it using machine learning to envision what a clearer picture would look like. The second tries to envision the covered part of a person's face using machine learning models that fill in missing details of an image using a best guess based on statistical patterns found in other images. These capabilities could make Clearview's technology more attractive, but also more problematic. Oh, yeah? It remains unclear how accurately the new techniques work, but experts say they could increase the risk that a person is wrongly identified and could exacerbate biases inherent to the system. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty scary stuff. But also, here's the here's the thing, guys. Deep blurring does not work. I mean, it works like a little, like when you're up content that's already clear to the naked eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely does not work for what they're trying to do with it. Identifiable with, down with to human like... human faces. Yeah. Uh, you are literally just filling in the gaps with guesses. And when a source image is super blurry or pixelated, as security footage often is, what you end up with can be different enough from the tu- from the truth to be useless or even harmful. The uh, best ex- yeah. the best example of uh, this is this photo of Barack Obama that someone ran through a tool called Face Depixelizer last year. Uh, so if you really squint or if you look at it from far away, it's the same face. But the white man on the right is clearly not Barack Obama by any stretch of the imagination. That the, is 
not Barack Obama. You were you're looking for the wrong guy. Though if you put them together on Twitter, it would be the white guy that shows up and not Barack yeah, Obama. Yeah, if you stretched them out to opposite sides of the picture, <laughs> yeah. Twitter would obviously they'd crop the they'd choose the white. This guy. is the guy you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Now when this tool first started going around, discussion was mostly about how it demonstrated yet again that facial AI has some pretty serious racial biases since most of the outputs were Caucasian faces regardless of the input, but it also demonstrates that de-blurring or de-pixelating faces is literally impossible. It's We've been going over this for so long with like the CSI stuff, we're like, enhance it. Yeah, it's like, de- that, do- that doesn't it's work. It's impossible. You can't. Uh, it can guess. Yeah, that's but the best But its it guess do. will not be accurate. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the people who developed Pulse, the algorithm uh, used by Face Depixelizer, say this on their GitHub page. No. We have noticed a lot of concern that Pulse will be used to identify individuals whose faces have been blurred out. We want to emphasize that this is impossible. (laughs) Pulse makes imaginary faces of people who do not exist, which should not be confused for real people. It will not help identify or reconstruct the original image. It's just a fun project. Yeah, but... I mean, even the cops who've been watching CSI for 20 years now being like, well, that's impossible, we can't do that. Nah, we're going to do it anyway. As soon as Clearview is like, hey, guess what we can do? We can enhance. They'll be like, all right, we'll take it. How much you want. And then a bunch of people get arrested for crimes they uh, didn't commit. The future looks bleak. Yeah. I'm glad we were uh, here for the pre-internet days. Yeah, just briefly. You know, we truly are the last great generation. That's right. (laughs) We're the greatest generation. We are the greatest generation. You're welcome, everyone. Millennials. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Clearview AI, they are uh, really talking out of their ass on this one, promoting this uh, stupid product. But this kind of tech... To be fair, it does have some useful applications, like creating absolute nightmare fuel from pixelated images from old video games, like Doom, Wolfenstein, or even more recently, Minecraft. That's the Minecraft Steve looks not like how you would expect. Uh, Is he hot? No. Oh, okay. Uh, here's Trump turned into a little girl, just for balance. We saw Obama turn into a white man. Trump turned into a, a little girl. Uh, here's the old PogChamp emote, just completely misinterpreted. Uh, here's Martin Luther King turned into something. It's not great or useful in any real way, but it is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Which, that's what it should be used for. Yeah. For fun. That's For it. laughs. Just for laughs. Anyways, finally in dystopian news, uh, here's something truly dystopian. A website that lets you look at what 184 iconic coastal locations around the world will look like depending on how successful humans are at reducing greenhouse gas emissions over the next few decades. The organization Climate Central took 3D Google Earth data and basically raised the water level based on the latest projections for potential sea level rise. And what you get is a lot of places several feet underwater. Bye-bye, Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And in a few cases, that's even if we do successfully limit the rise in global temperatures to 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2050. Yeah. With a lot of this, it's like, no, this is this is fucking happening. It's going to be a while, but it's fucking happening. There's nothing you can do about it. I grew up pretty far inland Florida, but eventually my parents say, you got to keep that house. It'll be coastal property soon. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. <laughs> yeah. Property values are only going up for us people yeah. who lived inland. Yeah. They all laughed at us and called us hillbillies and they rednecks. Go, <laughs> Who's in the boonies now? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, but, but yeah, for us, looking through all these, uh, the scariest examples are the ones here in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa Monica sucks. But what sucks even worse is seeing the entire Santa Monica Beach just devoured by the sea, pretty much regardless of what happens. Uh, Eventually, it's just gone. The Mariana Trench is going to be filled with bird scooters once yeah. uh, <laughs> if, if it, enough time passes. Yeah. Uh, slightly further inland, you've got this neighborhood in Long Beach, which is going to be below sea level. Pretty much regardless of what happens, but to a much scarier degree 
if nothing is done. Uh, and then there's the coastal community of Marina del Rey, which will be fine at 1.5 C, but just absolutely fucked at three degrees Celsius. Not the penthouse suites, baby. Sure, you'll have to take a boat to get to yeah. work, but uh, that Venice was built like that anyway. Now every city is going to be Venice. It's yeah. going to be awesome, yeah. including Venice, California. <laughs> They're bringing the canals back. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll leave a link below, and you should definitely scroll through uh, the 184 different locations featured on the website. We're basically looking at the effects of a tsunami, but uh, just every coastline on Earth, and happening very gradually. Yeah. Um, so but, slow that you can almost pretend it's not actually happening at all. And when your house is underwater, just sell it. Just sell it. <laughs> Thanks, Ben Shapiro. Thanks for the sell tip. Sell to who? Aquaman? <laughs> 40% of the world's population lives within 100 kilometers of the coast. So this would be a big problem, regardless of how slowly it occurs. And once it happens, not reversible. Yeah, there's no undo button. Hearing about it in the abstract or just seeing maps is one thing, but seeing it presented this way... It's fucking terrifying, and it would be nice if everyone in power with the ability to do anything about it could maybe experience that uh, William Shatner, you know, overview effect. Yeah. Um, though, as we saw with Bezos himself, it might not work. Yeah. But again, if, if even 20% of uh, the people running this planet had a, a life-changing experience in a Bezos rocket, that that could actually help things. The sad part is, is like you. Holy can, shit! This the, the planet's. This is a very delicate planet. We got to do something about this. The problem is, is you can already like tell by just the way people are whether or not they would experience that. There's maybe a few yeah. that things would have an effect on them, but like, there's just so, like it's like if you shot Marjorie Taylor Greene up there. Yeah. Like what? She's gonna come back and be like, I mean, it's no Planet Fitness, but it's pretty cool seeing it from up there. Yeah, Zuckerberg too. I mean, like, what what kind of a fucking sociopath do you have to be to go to Hawaii, one of the most beautiful places on Earth? If you haven't been, go. Just not right now. Just not Hawaii. right. But if you have a chance, or in the future, in I don't want you ever. Yeah, <laughs> go there. Uh, who goes to Hawaii? Like, takes in just like this gorgeous place on Earth, and is just like, I need to uh, buy up a bunch of land in a really shady way and kick out families that have lived here for like generations, so I can like have more privacy. The, the answer what kind of is, fucking piece of shit does that? Yeah, the answer is because he wants he wants that beautiful view forever, and also yeah. he thinks he can protect it better than the locals. Like, no, I'll take good care of it. Don't worry. Yeah, I swear. Uh, uh, yeah, it's... I, I, I would hope that, you know, maybe some of them would have a humbling experience, something that changes their entire persona. But it's like, you look at, like, Mitch McConnell, and you're like, that guy's a bitch. He'd yeah. shit his pants and have a bad time. He would actually die. Yeah. Like, I was worried Bezos or uh, uh, Captain Shatter Kirk would yeah, die, yeah. but I, I'm pretty sure Mitch McConnell would die. Like, he would just be worried about all of his dirty diaper particles floating around yeah. up there. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I shit myself on the way up. He's, I'm sorry. He sent Ted Cruz up there. He's like, wow, that was awesome. Uh, if, if Jeff can do that, we should let Jeff just do whatever he wants. Do whatever the hell he wants. We should replace every store with one giant Amazon. Yeah, so maybe it won't work. Yeah. Maybe we're just uh, too hopeful. But they're going to be launching this shit anyway. They should they should send up one greedy CEO each time. Yeah, and just, one Make-A-Wish kid yeah. to bounce it out. <laughs> yeah, just, everything bounce. <laughs> That's all. One, one child that is just on the brink of death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and you know what they sh ever since that movie Contact, like why why haven't they sent a poet? Jodie Foster said they should have sent a poet, and they still haven't sent a poet. Send a poet yeah. so they can write poems yeah. about 
about the overview effect. There you go. Perfect. There we go. We've all, we figured it out. Yeah. Jeff, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. Uh, please just <laughs> watch our most recent episodes. We got news on the Zodiac Killer. We got news on the Metalhead Principal. We got it all for you. Watch those too, and we'll be back for more episodes soon. Bye-bye.